Hi, everyone. This is Georgiana with Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. It's been quite a while since our last episode, and today I'm super happy to be welcoming Rob Schumacher from Feather. Welcome, Rob. So nice to meet you. Hi, Georgiana. Yeah, thanks for inviting us along. I'm really happy to be here. And um, I would like to, well, first of all, let me introduce Rob also uh, by, by saying he's the CEO and the co-founder of Feather, which is an insurance company based in Berlin, in the sense that you guys provide various types of insurance to expats. Am I correct? But anyway, please detail exactly on, on what the company does. Absolutely correct. And if there's any confusion, it probably comes from the fact that we, of course, change over time. Um, mm -hmm. And we've started offering all types of insurance that an expat could possibly need when coming to Germany. Um, mm -hmm. We only started with one or two types of insurance, but now we actually have the full package um, all insurance you ever need, really easily with us digitally and in English. Mm -hmm. And how long have you guys been around? We've been around, uh, it's quite scary, since 2018. So well before Corona. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's always scary to look back and realize how, how long it's been that we've been doing this. It has been, indeed. And I think what you guys are, are offering is very, very useful in this very intricate landscape of German laws and, and German insurance. So yeah, congratulations for that. And also congratulations on, on growing a company. And basically, this is what we will be touching during our episode today, leadership best practices and company culture best practices. And, um, you know, usually one of the, the things that I discussed during this podcast is how the culture of a company, especially when the company is rather small, is very much synonymous with the persona of the founder. And you are one of the two co-founders. Does this stand for Feather as well? What's your take on it? Yeah, so I think it's a, an interesting observation. I'm sure it's true. The thing is, uh, my co-founder, Vincent, and myself, we have, uh, we're extremely different in a lot of ways. And there's only a couple. So on, on a lot of topics, we're even on completely opposite uh, ends of a spectrum. But there are some some places where we agree. And I think it's uh, actually the things that we agree on that brought us together in the first place and is also the, you know, the shared the shared values that we build the company on. That's so, um, yeah, I think uh, that's exactly how it is for us. And I believe, I, I don't know for sure, because I only led very small companies in my life, when it comes to scaling from 2 to 10 to 40, what does one leader need to do in order to preserve the company culture and the company values? Isn't that very difficult? Um, well, we're, we're not at the 40 yet, but we, we did notice, as you say, I mean, with two people, you don't really have to do anything to, yep. do, to keep company. You just like the person and you kind of agree with them on some level. Um, and that'll actually be the same for the first couple of people joining the company as well. I don't think you really have to actively worry about company culture or values because when you're a very small team, it's just always a very natural fit. So exactly. you you probably haven't at that point, and we haven't written down what we even meant or what, what were the things that we knew were important just because everyone automatically knew. And I think um, the first time when it started becoming important is maybe when you're 15 or 20 people mm -hmm. where you are starting to hire, you know, every, everything goes a little bit quicker and more things happen in parallel. So you don't have enough time to kind of slowly onboard people and kind of really take your time with the hiring process um, in person because someone else will be doing the hiring as well. So right. I think that's 
the first time when you have to know kind of what is your company culture and then, you know, how do we find out if people have the kind of fit that we want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you were to sum up some best practices that leadership need to take leadership needs to take into account to preserve the existing company culture, what would those be? So um, yeah, there's two things important if you want to preserve your culture. The first one is understanding what your culture is. Um, and around about 20 people is when it gets a little bit harder. So actually writing down what the culture is is step one. And then step two, when you understand what it is that, you know, that your company culture is, is finding out ways of testing people to see if they're going to be a cultural fit. Um, so obviously those two things need to happen in order. And you're going to have to do it at some point because you won't be the one doing all the in- interviews yourself anymore. You're going to have to kind of trust other people to make the judgment on whether or not it will be a good cultural fit for you as a company. And um, one thing we also are discussing now in the beginning of the year, it's still the first first quarter, so I think we can we can also tackle this, are trends, trends in employer branding. And one of the most important trends that I've heard and seen seems to be diversity this year. How does your company look at diversity? Ah, it's a, definitely a really big topic. Um, and I think, yes. in fact, um, I'll say we have the three worst things going for us in terms of diversity. So first of all, we are uh, a tech company um, and it's uh, a, a topic that every tech company has to struggle with is mm-hmm. uh, attracting diverse talent. Um, the yeah. second thing is um, an insurance company, um, which uh, is also, you know, um, in, insurance is still very, very heavily male, a male dominated industry. Yes, um, it and, is. And uh, the third thing I'd say that we also struggle with, it's uh, we're a company, you know, this one we mitigate already, but we're a German company. And I think German companies are also some of the least diverse companies uh, possible. If you if you look at the sea levels in any big German company, um, yeah. it doesn't get any less diverse than that. Um, That's true, unfortunately. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, but yeah, we're fully aware that it's a pretty terrible. So we do a couple of things. So first of all, we fully believe that diverse teams build better results. I think you have to believe that as a company, otherwise you'll just do diversity as a, you know, it's a little bit like doing ESG is another trend, you know, yeah. you, can pretend That's a nice be, mm-hmm. yeah, you can pretend to be yeah. ESG, but if you don't believe it, you're not actually going to change how you are. And I think mm-hmm. diversity is another thing that you have to actually do some actions that prove that you care about it and not just say that you care about it. So, um, yeah, so I think um, we. So starting with where we are, it's t- terrible space that we're in in a lot of ways. Um, and I think diversity usually goes beyond. So you can start with kind of a, a really obvious one, which is gender. Um, but there's actually in tech, there's age is another really big problem as well. Yes. So, um, and there's mm-hmm. actually many other forms of diversity that you just don't even realize exist. And it. Um, so what we're doing is I think creating an awareness is as usual. It's, it's step one is understanding that. By, for example, how how you phrase a particular job posting that you're actually stopping people from applying for a job despite them being qualified just because you write the word ninja. So yes. you, know, you write a ninja in a in a job post, um, you know, it's women are less likely to apply. Um, so it's it's really about yeah. I think mm-hmm. you, you can do a lot already just by leveling the playing field for everyone that's applying at your company and then actively then even just saying something like we actively you know, encourage anyone, you know, from un- underrepresented groups in tech to apply. 
Um, I think that goes a long way. Um, and in fact, we notice in interviews as well. So um, in interviews, some, sometimes people with a, like a non-typical tech background will say, you know, because you wrote that in, um, in the job post, you know, that, that's the thing that got me to apply, which is really cool to kind of get the feedback and see that it's working. Um, yep. But despite everything that I said, I think it's still a long way to go for all the three industries that we're kind of in at the same time. Um, and yep, something we're really working on and we're trying to actually work on the problems and not mm -hmm. say that we're working on the problems. But that's, in, in my opinion, I've seen this interest in diversity only recently. And I know several people who are advocates for various groups of people in Berlin and, and in Germany. And I'm hoping to get some of them on this podcast to, to discuss some of the issues you've mentioned, because really some of them are very, very visible and intangible and i faced one of them myself recently when i was told by someone that in some areas 36 years old would be considered too old for some roles yeah right? um, and there's so much more than gender and age just yeah. like you said yeah i think the the really so um my wife is also pretty uh, i'm say more successful than me in her career which is always i always have like an eye-opening when I see what she has to go through and all of the things, you just don't see them yourself. So it's even just awareness for the problem. I think there's just not even enough awareness for the problem. So mm -hmm. if you're speaking about a solution to a problem, you can't really speak about the solution until you've understood the problem. And I yep. think jumping to saying we're doing diverse diversity things doesn't really mean anything until kind of the whole company understands it. And then, yeah, I think, so for example, uh, your podcast, educating people around the problems that there are is already really helpful because you can't you can't tackle mm -hmm. something if you don't actually understand the problem yeah exactly mm, i'm really curious rob you have a phd in mathematics does this make you as a ceo more data driven uh, in, so i think um it's it's fair to say i use very very little um of uh of the PhD in mathematics in my actual job. Um, and actually, funnily enough, linking it back to diversity, um, we we don't actually even require degrees to, to work at Feather. So I think it's a it's an out, a little bit of an outdated, you know, actually having worked for a while is way more valuable, or like having done a project that you care about is way more valuable than, than a degree that you have. Um, so I'll say... The PhD doesn't help, but I think the kind of person that I am, I'm definitely, uh, I like understanding numbers and I like understanding how pieces fit together. Um, yes, that's and, what I meant. Yeah, mm -hmm. don't know, I'm, I, I'm sure, yeah. No, and the the actual, so I'm, I'm also fully aware that I don't really, so I understand numbers, but I have to kind of get the numbers in the company. So there's actually a pretty cool course that I'm doing called SQL Habit, um, which is allowing me to, you know, run data queries myself in the company. So we make all data in the company transparent to anyone. So we like to have quite, you know, we don't hide data from anyone. Anyone from anywhere in the company can kind of see how are the numbers going per like insurance type, how many people are signing up every day, how many people are canceling. Um, it's all really transparent. And it's actually quite a fun playground to go into and play around with numbers. So I'm I, I kind of see it as a, my continued learning journey in, in data and numbers. And I think I'm not the only one at the company that, that does that. Exactly. However, the, the reason I asked is that 
most companies try to implement various employer branding policies or, you know, employee happiness or employee engagement policies, but they never really measure the results. They never know what's happening after implementing several policies or after using certain tools. And I'm, I'm always wondering, and I've asked this, this question before, does data play a role into what we guys are doing, we are doing and you guys in your company are doing at the moment? Because right. I think sometimes some things are just left hanging, you know. That's amazing. So I love uh, I love that question. Um, I didn't. In fact, I'll tell you the question that we always ask if someone suggests anything. We always ask, "How do we know if it's been successful?" Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So it's like, how do we know in three months, in six months, and in twelve months if what we're you know what are we trying to achieve, and how do we know if we've achieved that? Yeah. It's yeah. And it's okay to sometimes be a bit vague if there are things that are, you know, sometimes some things are vague and that's okay, but you should always try and make it measurable um, because otherwise it's too easy to kid yourself later that what you've, you know, to do stuff without having any impact or to kid yourself that it's actually worked. So it's, uh, I I think that that's actually an even bigger question than being data-driven is more mm-hmm. like, I guess, being results-driven and using data, to, yep. exactly, mm-hmm. data to back it up. Yeah, so I think that's a really great question. Yeah. How involved are you as the CEO in getting to know your people, understanding their needs and their wants? Uh, so this one's uh, a tough one to answer because it's uh, it's changed a lot over time. So mm-hmm. we are a remote company and we're growing fast. Um, so, and that wasn't always the case. So I think we started out, we were not so, some people were always remote. Um, but we spent a lot of time in an office together and it was just very easy to catch up with everyone in the company. You know, when you're less than 10 people, you don't really have to put any system in place to make sure that everyone is being heard. Um, And now we've got the two things of being fully remote and growing, which does make it a lot harder. And in fact, I think it's too big of a task for me to manage on my own. So I, at first I would have thought, no problem. I'll just uh, have some check-ins with everyone uh, throughout the company, but it doesn't work. So there needs to be a, more of a system. So we do actually have a people person who's like the key part of the role is making, you know, making us work as a remote growing company. And That's a lot, yeah, a lot of that is mm-hmm. actually having a place for people to voice concerns even. So I think it's, you know, people have to be able to be heard and we have to be held accountable as well. So um, exactly as I, uh, you know, said before, like, how do we know it's being successful? Um, She actually checks in with Vincent and myself, that's my Um, Mm co-founder. We see if there are issues, we we have to follow back up with her what we're doing to address the issues. So there's, so people can really see we, we take it seriously, and someone is holding us accountable as well. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Okay, nice. And which social channel would you say is the most suitable for for building a strong employer brand? According to what your colleague tells you, if not your own personal experience? Um, So it actually really depends on which employees you're kind of going after. So um, it's, uh, it's almost, uh, you know, if you're if you're targeting customers, considering an employee is a customer, um, you'd kind of you want to do the branding in the in the place where the customer is. So for some employees, that'll be LinkedIn. Um, um, for other employees, that'll be other channels. But one of the 
coolest or kind of the two coolest channels that we found. The first one is actually your website. So mm -hmm. everyone checks out your website. And again, we notice this in interviews when we update the about page to include more information about us or explain yeah. how we do things, people really check it out. And I, it's something that I was really surprised by. So I, you know, we did it and there was an update and every other interview, suddenly people were mentioning, um, I saw you wrote this and that, you know, mm -hmm. you, you were, uh, oh, so that's how you work as a company. Um, yep. and the, I'm so happy you mentioned this. So happy that reinforces everything that I've been talking about recently. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, and it's really, I mean, by us, we, it was per chance that we, you know, that we got that feedback. So we weren't, you know, we, we just had a, a page that was two years old. We knew we needed to refresh it. And then we thought we'll do it properly. And it really made a really made a difference. Um, and then the other one that's really cool is having, for example, uh, things exactly like this podcast where you can kind of interact with other people because it, it definitely gives you a bigger reach than otherwise. So um, otherwise, you know, you're kind of, I mean, I'm not say spamming, but, you know, you're hitting the same people if you're always within your circle. So it's really nice mm -hmm. to collaborate with other people and speak about things, topics such as this. So I think um, those would be my top two, in fact. Yes, and I think it's also about, in the end, getting out of your comfort zone and, yes, like you said, interacting with with people from other areas. So, yeah, absolutely. But having a good about you page or a good career page and really describing and, and saying how you work and what types what types of people you want to work with and what types of people you don't want to work with, that's also very bold and very helpful recently. So congratulations for that. It takes courage, you know, to, to be transparent about who you are and, and what you do. I think you have to accept that it won't be for everyone. I think when you when you start off, mm -hmm. you you think you know you think whatever you're doing is for everyone, um, but it's mm -hmm. it's almost. I mean, there's so many people that's never going to be the case, um, and you can yeah. and you actually deliver better stuff if you do a bit more tailored, and it's not for everyone. I mean, it's yeah, as, as yep. you say, it's exactly the same for employer branding. Not not everyone has to be happy with the way you do things. Um, in fact, one more anecdote here that we have started asking in, in job interviews. So we say, you know, some people do like a very structured job and being told exactly what to do. And, mm -hmm. you know, they feel at ease when it's very clear exactly what they have to do. And then they know oh. they're done. And other people like a little bit more ambiguity or kind of don't want to be told exactly what to do. They want to be told this is this is where we want to go, but you have full mm -hmm. freedom to figure out how, how to get there. Yeah. Uh, we try in our interviews to figure out we definitely want the latter type, you know, where they're not exactly told what to do. I think there's so many positive positives for your company culture if you don't tell people what to do, but rather, you know, what the goal is and they figure it out themselves. So we try and find that out in interviews as well. Um, and I think, think there's a lot of little things like that where, yeah, it's definitely not for everyone and you have to be happy that it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people have actually written books on the topic and they coined the phrase, um, repel the many and attract the few. So, uh, yeah. I like that. I like that. <laughs> exactly. What What do you... <laughs> yeah, sorry. What do you expect from this year professionally and what does Feather expect? Um, I'll, I'll start with Feather. Um, so we're actually expanding into a couple of European countries um, mm -hmm. this year. So that's going to be really exciting and challenging at the same time. Um, and there's going to, yeah, so the team 
likely is going to double. Um, and yeah, a lot of growth. So mm -hmm. not just in terms of numbers, but also in terms of complexity. Um, I'm both excited and a little bit scared for that one. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, so my role in the company is always gonna, I mean, already it does change every six months or 12 months. And I'm personally quite excited to see how my role changes as we grow as a company. Um, and that's, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what to expect because every time I kind of got comfortable in a role, it was already kind of time to transition into the next one. So you only have a pretty short phase where you feel in control of things and everything's mm -hmm. going great. And then you know, okay, it's time to look for the next thing. Um, and I can already feel the next thing kicking off right now. And you never kind of know until you've figured it out. So you're always in a, there's a couple of months of figuring out how does my mode of working with the company work? You figure it out, it kind of goes really well. And then uh, you unfortunately lose the good mode and you're in a little bit of a searching mode again. So mm -hmm. I'm... I'm also excited for this year and as always excited and a little bit scared just because, um, you know, change is always scary for everyone. I think, of course, um, yeah. and so is growing, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Entirely true. And Rob, just to, to sum this up, I'd like to, to ask you to, um, to mention one resource that's been useful for you. It's something that I ask all of, all of my guests because I'm sure we have a lot to learn from, from everybody. What has helped you along the way? A blog? a podcast, a book, a course? Yeah, I'll have to say, so two answers here. The first one is actually the, the most helpful thing is kind of the network of people that you can build around you. So a support network, and that can be, I'm going to say upwards, sideways, and downwards. So upwards, people that are further along in whatever you want to do, grab them and see if you can check in with them every now and sideways. So that's people doing the same kind of job as you. Um, catching up with them and below you as well helping people grow in their role helps you understand how other people are helping you grow in your role as well so I think mm -hmm. you should always be looking kind of upwards sideways and downwards um, but to nice. make more, yeah to, to make it more specific um, something that I found really helpful um, and uh, changed my life a lot is uh, the the seven habits of highly effective people mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm sure you know it um, I haven't read it. It's been on my list for a while, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know your, your, your view on it. Yeah. So it's a bit of a slow read. So I think it's not, you can't read it and be done with it. It's, um, I think I read it over at least over a year or maybe one and a half years and trying to see. So a lot of, I think there's a, there's kind of concepts that make you be a good person and an effective person. And there's somehow they always go together. And if you, there's loads of different ways of describing the same concepts. And this is just kind of one view of those concepts. And there's many other books, I think, that describe the same thing. Um, but this is the one I kind of worked through to try and make some of those concepts my own as well. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, I, I, I viewed it more of as a working book. Um, you know, read, read a couple of pages, see if I'm actually changing how I am, and then yeah. going on. So this was a very, very slow, yeah, as I say, a year or a year and a half it took me to go mm -hmm. through. Okay, great. Well, this was really, really nice. Thank you so much for, for talking to me today. I wish you all the best. If you'd like to tell people how they can reach you or Feather via other channels than LinkedIn, now is the moment. Yeah, um, you can find us, uh, easiest is Google us um, for you know Feather Insurance and you'll find us. 
Um, and I also really enjoyed today just because every time you uh, get asked interesting questions, it, you know, helps your thinking as well, you know, about how you're thinking about things. So uh, it uh, was really fun for me as well. Thanks a lot. I'm glad to hear that. Good luck, Rob, and talk to you soon. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. This was Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. You can find our podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and content on employer branding-related things on employerbranding.tech. Until the next time, stay tuned. Bye.